So Money episode 888, Ruth Sukup, author of Do It Scared. Finding the courage to face your fears, overcome adversity, and create a life you love. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. The fireman broke down my door and um, my heart stopped in the ambulance and they took me to the hospital. They revived me and put me on life support and then called my family and said, you need to come. She's not going to wake up. And even if she does, she's going to be permanently brain damaged for the rest of her life. Have you ever felt like there's something more out there for you? Do you ever feel like life is passing you by or that you have regrets for a chance or an opportunity that you just didn't take? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We're having one of the most candid and intimate conversations I've ever had with a guest on this show. Her name is Ruth Sukup. And as you just heard, she really experienced life at rock bottom, like below the rock bottom, having almost died from multiple suicide attempts, had an incredibly difficult kind of entry into her adulthood. And now on the other side of things, she runs a wonderfully successful business. She is a mother. She is a wife. She is a woman living her dreams. But how she got here is a journey to say the least. And she has captured a lot of her personal stories as well as advice that she has extracted from her huge community of women. Ruth is the author of Do It Scared, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Adversity, and Create a Life You Love. She is the founder of the Living Well Planner and Elite Blog Academy. She also blogs at Living Well, Spending Less. Ruth is one of my favorite people. And uh, we talk about a lot of hard stuff on this show. We talk about the principles of courage, how to use your fears to fuel your motivation, your mobilization, and why fear is totally normal. Here's the lovely Ruth Sukup. Ruth Sukup, welcome to So Money. How are you? Congratulations on your latest book. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and thank you. Thank you for the congratulations. You actually um, have a lot of credit to take for the book. Gosh. I just learned this before we started recording. You took me down memory lane because I do remember the conversation we had about I mean, you're, you're, first of all, before we get to the book, let's just, I wasn't going to get to this part yet, but I feel like we have to kind of go back to explain kind of how the book came about. You have this incredible audience that you have built through Living Well, Spending Less is your blog. And through that, you've, you know, reached millions of women and they come to you day in and day out for resources, content, inspiration. And I thought you have such a wealth of untapped data, i.e. women across America. And like you have this ability to really reach them and learn from them and use that data to inform um, how to best serve them, but also like to inform the rest of the country as to like, what are the issues that women are concerned with and and how, you know, and, and what are they telling you? And you have just this, this key to all these women. So I guess that was when you started to survey them. And then that led to your latest book, which is called Do It Scared. But maybe fill in the blanks for me a little bit. Like, what were you learning about women 
and obviously something around, I'm guessing something to do with fear. Uh, yes. And, and, and you didn't want to do a book. Yeah, you're here no. you are. So this must have been pretty compelling stuff that you discovered. Yeah, here I am. Yes, I actually fun fun fact, I actually after my last book promised my husband that I would never write another traditionally published book ever again. Um because the last one was so stressful. And so he has now in the midst of the stress, he has continued to remind me that frequently. But no, he's been he's been great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um yes, so never say never. You never know what's gonna happen. But yeah, Farnoosh, you were the you were the catalyst for for encouraging me to to dig in in that way. I did have this resource of women. And of course, I would survey them sometimes and ask questions, but it never really occurred to me that I could do more with that or that there was in, like that there was information where I could dig dig deeper into. But after you said that, it sort of sparked this curiosity in me. And one thing that I had noticed so much is that with my audience, I spent a, I talk a lot about um, just productivity and how to spend less time and money on the things that you have to spend time and money on so that you can spend more time and money on the things that you want to do. And so there's a lot of productivity that goes along into that. And I talk about goal setting and how to create, you know, create a life you love. And I had so many women who were coming to me, you know, at conferences or just in different areas or writing emails or messaging me and saying things like, I, I hear you talking about setting these big goals for yourself, but I don't know how to do that. I feel like I have been sitting on the sidelines of my own life, watching it go by and I'm afraid to jump in and I'm afraid to go after it. I'm afraid to set these big goals. It just feels so scary. And it wasn't just one or two people that were saying things like that to me, it was over and over and over. It just the theme kept coming up. And it's something that I could relate to so much because fear has been a huge part of my life, both just becoming an adult and also like becoming an entrepreneur. And so it made me really curious. And I thought, well, Farnoosh tells me I should dig in. I guess I should dig in. And so I started asking more questions. And that led to this huge study where we surveyed more than 4,000 people. And so many people, I had to hire a whole team of researchers to help me dig through the data. And But what we found and what we uncovered from that was really fascinating. And that was sort of the starting point for the book. And the book was written for a, a female audience, but in terms of who it's who it's really for, you know, getting even more specific, you you say that this book, if you're if you're nodding to these following questions, if you're nodding yes, then this book is is probably for you. For example, do you ever feel like life is passing you by? Do you ever envy people who dare to do the things that you don't dare to do? Have you ever felt regret for a chance or an opportunity you didn't take? Did you find yourself in some of these? questions, nodding yes at some points in your own career? Um, and I guess the, I'm going to guess the answer is yes, but can you share a story or two about some of those crossroads that you arrived at and how you overcame your own fears? Oh my goodness. Well, yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, if, it depends how far back you want to go. So my story, you know, like starts in my early twenties as it, my, in my adult life, just getting started as an adult. And I actually went through this horrible depression and ended up, um, attempting suicide when I was 21 years old. And, um, that sort of 
spiraled me down into a two and a half year battle with depression and PTSD and multiple suicide attempts, the, um, the worst of which ended me up um, in a coma on life support with less than a 10% chance of ever oh waking gosh. up. Yeah. So pretty bad. And um, so through all of that, you know, depression is, is not a good thing. And especially I, it, I was, it, it was just, I was so like in such a dark, bad place. And, uh, you know, just when I was out of the hospital, I was doing dangerous activities, anything, I could, like anything to not feel anything to numb myself out. So drinking drugs, cutting, um, sex, whatever I could do. I, I mean, really like I was a mess. And through all of that, I, um, lost, you know, lost all my friends. I ended up divorced. I just, just stopped paying any bills for like two and a half, the entire two and a half years. So at the end of it, found myself like completely screwed up financially, had to file for bankruptcy because I was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. Plus I had hospital bills and it was a mess. I was a mess. And so I found myself at 24 years old, just at rock bottom, the most rock bottom place you can be. The doctors had literally sent me home to die at that point. I had been on every sort of medication, completely treatment resistant. And then they did electroshock therapy, which most people don't know that they still do. It's like that. The Jarbell era. Yes. Yes. So where that, like, what was that movie with Jack Nicholson? One flew over the cuckoo's nest Mm -hmm. where they have them in a straight jacket. Like literally that was me. They still do that. And, um, so I found Wait, can I that, stop for a second? What, yeah. What, okay, let's unpack that for a little bit. Okay. I mean, not just not to bring up like years of therapy, but like yeah, what, no, it's, it's what, what brought you to that point? What brought you to the point of not um, wanting to live? Well, a couple of things. Funny, funny, um, like kind of a perfect storm. Not funny, but just a, um, so a few, a few things happened. One was that um, I was married at the time and, but very unhappily married. And I was a college student. I was, it was my senior year of college. I was taking a huge course load. I was working full time. My husband and I had, um, two of my brothers that were living with us that I was responsible for. One was in college, but one was in high school and I was his legal guardian. And, um, then I also, was struggling with some stuff like stuff from my mom. She was bipolar growing up and she had come to visit and it was a terrible visit. And she ended up leaving my dad, um, right after that visit. And my whole family blamed me for that. So that happened. And then on top of all of that, um, the, there was a man who used to babysit, babysit me when, um, I was little who was sexually abusive. And I, I guess this is common. They say, they say this is common that you'll, you know, when, especially when the abuser is threatening, you, you kind of repress everything. And then when it's safe to remember, you'll remember again. And so he died and my dad didn't know, of course, of any of this stuff had happened. And he, so he just, we were talking on the phone he's like, oh yeah, by the way, so-and-so so died a few days ago. I thought you should know. And that just sort of, I started having all these nightmares and flashbacks and it was the weirdest thing. Like all these things you hear about and you think that's not really real. Like that stuff doesn't actually happen. Like that was happening to me and I had no idea what it was all. And then at the same time, I was, I went to a very religious college and I'd grown up, um, in a very religious family. And so God was sort of the center of my life. So I was taking theology classes and I was also taking philosophy classes right at that point. So it was like this really bad combination of philosophy, religion, and like having my life implode. And 
that's why I call it a perfect storm because basically one day I just was like, I was I, like, God doesn't exist. This is all stupid. But if there's no God, then what's the point? I think I'll just kill myself. So I think because I didn't want to feel all the feelings, I went into a really rational place of just thinking, this is like, this is the logical, this is the logical option. And really there was so much more there. And it took me two and a half years of complete self-destruction to acknowledge that. But, um, but that was where it all started. And then, I mean, then it was just a, it was, and it's funny because like up until that point, I was a pretty high achiever. You know, I was a straight A student. I was like planning to go to law school. I was, you know, I was, they sent my brothers to live with me because I was the one who was put together and, and taking care of everybody else and working full time. And, you know, I had worked my way up through all through college, um, to the point where I was like, managing my own store by the time I was a senior and had 15 employees under me. So I was, it was really like, it was a huge shift to go from like high achiever to boom. And it was almost like when you real, like that moment where you realize you've gone off the deep end and then nothing matters anymore. So it was terrifying. I mean, talk about like that. It's just, it's, it, like you can't even describe that feeling because you, for the most part in life, we really try to hold ourselves together, right? We, we color within the lines and we do the things we're supposed to do. And we don't like, don't go too crazy. We don't want to take too big of risks. We don't want to mess things up to, ever too badly. And, but then when you go completely to the other side, I guess I'm, I like extremes apparently. Um, so I, I did that and then had, multiple suicide attempts. Again, like I said, the one was really, really serious and, um, where the firemen broke down my door and, um, my heart stopped in the ambulance and they took me to the hospital. They revived me and put me on life support and then called my family and said, you need to come. She's not going to wake up. And even if she does, she's going to be permanently brain damaged for the rest of her life. And, um, I, Obviously, I'm still here. I don't think I'm brain damaged, but that's probably up for discussion. And um, that was if, if you're brain damaged, <laughs> I want to get some of that. Um, you're doing for my for my end. I mean, it just sounds like you're on the other extreme of things, right? Like you went, you you hit below rock bottom. Now you are such a role model as a mother, as a wife, as a business owner. I'm sure you have your down days. It's it's not easy. If it, nothing e- nothing great comes easily, but um, what would you cite as your greatest strength? The strength that pulled you up from underneath that today continues to help you move forward with such um, what seems to be you know such grace. Well, thank you. First of all, that's very kind. And I think that there's always, I I, I actually love talking about this story and love talking about my struggles because I think there is always this perception when we see people who are successful that they have it all together or that they've never struggled, that there's never been hard things that they've had to go through. So for me, and I actually talk about this a little bit in the book, but I, but for me, um, so I got to that point where I would hit that rock bottom place and I had literally no hope. And I sat there for a few months in that place. And then my dad couldn't, I was living with my dad cause nobody else would take me and he didn't really want me either, but he couldn't turn me away. And so he didn't really know what to do with me. And I just laid in bed 
all day long for months and months. And finally he said, please just go to the, go to the gym like three times a week. If that's all I'm asking, just please go to the gym and, and get a little bit of exercise and then you can go back to bed. And so I did that for a few months, just literally putting one foot in front of the other on the treadmill. That was all I could do. And I'd go back to bed, but it gave me just enough something. I don't know what it was, just enough of a spark had had, like allowed those clouds to lift just far enough that I could go. Maybe, maybe I could, maybe there's still something. And so I called a therapist um, that I'd never worked with before and said, I've just spent the last two and a half years talking about every bad thing that's ever happened to me. I've had all the therapies. None of it's worked. I've had all the medications. None of it's worked. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just now need to know how to live because I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. And so making that choice to call her and go. And she, that was, and for two and two and a half years after that, that was exactly what we did. And she helped me take one, one tiny little step and then another tiny little step. So the first thing was like learning how to go to the grocery store without having a panic attack. And then it was getting out of my dad's house and getting my own apartment. And then it was getting a part-time job and then it was getting a full-time job. And then it was going back to school and finishing my degree. And then it was applying to law school and, and business school and taking the GRE and the GMAT or the LSAT and all of those tests that you have to take and getting a dog. Like it was one dog. Oh my gosh. That's all. That sounds like a lot. I almost think it didn't happen all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Slowly, (laughs) but a dog. Yeah. She, we, I got the most hyper, uh, chocolate lab Mm -hmm. on the planet. I mean, she was so spastic that I would, I was like forced to take her for multiple walks every single day just to get her out of the house and get her some exercise. But it was the best thing in the world for me. And through all those little of those things, I slowly built a life again after I felt feeling like I could never have. And every time I had some like succeeded in something, it gave me the courage to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And honestly, like that, then, you know, I then met my husband and became a mom and all this stuff happened. And I started my business many years later after that, I had been depression free for many years when I started my business, but I never forgot those lessons of just do one, just do one small thing. And then the next thing, and then the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like my greatest strength maybe if you're asking like what my greatest strength is, it's knowing that failure does not define me. And I am not the sum of the biggest mistakes that I've made so that every time I have to take a new risk in my business, I know that if I fail, it's not, that's also not going to define me, that there is a way to rise again, no matter what you do. And I think that that gives me the ability to keep pushing forward, even when things get hard or scary. Ah, that's exactly what I need to hear right now, too, uh, because, you know, I'm starting to launch a new kind of vertical in my business, Sex House, and it's a lot. It's a lot. I I don't want to get into the weeds of it. It's not the time or place, but it's just some days you just want to, like, throw in the towel, but... I think hearing you say that this does not have to define you, the failures don't define you. Um, and also like, I think that you have to be really brave to go into something that you know isn't going to be 100% f- um, successful or, or positive. Like there are going to be some terrible days or going to be failures. Like you chose that knowingly. And I think that says a lot about your character. And I think it says a lot about ultimately how successful you will be because you're already someone who's established yourself as somebody who's like, 
going to go for it. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of character. That's a lot of positive character, I think. Oh, thank you. And, you know, like, and that every, everything that you said is, is so true. You go into these things as, as entrepreneurship is just every day being oh. scared. I think every yeah. day you're like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. And then you have those moments where you're like, this is amazing. And then like five seconds later, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And, right. Oh my goodness. I mean, we, and right before we started recording, we were talking about that. I mean, I'm going through all of that right now with this book and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're going through all of that right now too. And every new project is like that. That is just part of it. It never fully goes away, but every time you do something and you learn from it and you realize that when you, when it's a win, it gives you co- confidence mm-hmm. and courage. But when it's, when it's a failure, you can also use that to build confidence and courage because those failures are your best lessons. Those are the things that are going to give you the character. Those are the things that are going to give you more empathy. Those are the things that are going to carry you through and actually make your successes even sweeter and more successful because you knew what not to do. And it's, I, I feel like that's like, if you can learn one thing in life, it is that there are no mistakes, only lessons. And that even when you fail, you win. And even when you lose, you win. So that, right. and, and always keep that in your mind. And then literally you, you can do anything. I do think that taking no action is a step in, a step backwards. I think that, um, I think you say this too, kind of in your book, which is that, you know, ultimately um, you have to, true courage means taking action. Even if that's, um, going to be a misstep. Like it's, it's, it's true courage because you it's, it's entering into the unknown, but ultimately on the other side of that is learning. And I think that if you're open to that, uh, that for me is, has always been the carrot to get me through something, some uncertain times or like, you know, jumping into something that I don't know all the answers to. I think for women, that's particularly hard. Like we want all the answers. That's why we don't invest as much as we do, as much as we should sometimes because we're mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know how the stock market's going to perform and I don't know who to trust. And I get it, but it's also like, you got to start somewhere. Don't not do something because you don't have all the answers. You'll never have all the answers. So true. So true. And, and every time you take a little action and any direction, really, um, it doesn't even matter if it's necessarily the right direction because mostly it, it might be a little off course, but it's not going to be totally like opposite direction of where you need to go. And anytime you take that, that little step, it gives you the courage to take the next step, which then gives you the courage to make make the next step and you don't need to have the whole path figured out and you can keep adjusting along the way, but it's just that, that action. And that's the whole point of the phrase, do it scared, which started as my motto way back then when I was like working through this depression, Mm -hmm. but it, it's that the idea that you can't, you can't not feel fear. It's still going to be there. It's still going to exist, but you can act even in the face of fear. You can take a step, even if it's a small step. And that step will give you the courage to take the next one. Yeah. A hundred percent. So shifting gears a little bit to money, I want to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, you just kind of didn't pay your bills. You you could declare <laughs> bankruptcy and you're in your twenties. Um, so going back in time a little bit um, with this question, which is, what would you wish you had known? What would you tell your earlier, your younger self about money um, all those years ago? So it's graduation month. This is an 
airing in the month of May and our sponsor Chase and I are asking our guests for the, you know, the one thing they wish they had learned about money um, upon graduating. Cause so, so often we don't get any literacy growing up and obviously you had bigger fish to fry in your 20s. You were dealing with a lot than an average 20-something year old. But perhaps if we could carve out the money stuff a little bit, like what's something that you wish you had been taught that may have helped you at least like pay your bills? Oh my gosh. So much. There's so much that I wish that I would have learned about money. That was growing up that... um I grew up in a fairly affluent family and my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned hotels. And so I always had this sort of, we lived in a big house. We had a housekeeper, you know, we had, we had the things like it was obvious we had money and yet my parents never talked about money. And anytime I would ask them, you know, are we rich? Do we, uh, what? and they would, all they would ever say about money is we don't talk about money. And that, so that was all I heard, but I also knew that there was, plenty of it. My parents never said, no, we can't afford that. That was not a, not a phrase I ever heard my entire life growing up. And if I, you know, my dad really liked us to wear nice clothes. So we would go shopping a lot. Like there was just those, those kind of things. And it wasn't really an issue. Well, then when I became an adult, I, what I didn't learn was how to manage money. And it felt like money was, there was an unlimited supply of money. And so I was a spender. I loved to go shopping. And my my freshman year of college, my dad co-signed on a credit card for me. And of course, then I had this huge limit and I maxed it out by Christmas. I remember that. And I, rather than like punish me or sit down and have that talk with me and say, okay, you need to learn how to manage your money. My dad paid it off and never said anything. And so the next semester I maxed it out again and then used that credit card to start, um, applying for other credit cards. I was like, Oh, I can, I can get a a banana Republic card and I can get these other credit cards. And then he wasn't co-signing on those ones. So he wasn't paying on those ones. And that became a huge problem for me. So when I say I filed for bankruptcy, like a lot of my bills were, were these shopping, um, shopping things, store, that cards. I just, mm-hmm. store cards that had then followed me around. And then all the interest had piled up and it was this crazy thing where I just, So what I wish that I could have, what I wish I would have learned and the thing that I teach my kids is that first of all, there are two things that I really hammer into my kids all the time. My money is not your money is the first one that I tell them, like, because they now ask me, are we rich? Because now we've done, you know, I've done well for myself and, and we've, we live in a nice house and we have all these nice things that I, I had kind of growing up, but I want, I do not want my kids to make the same mistake that mistakes that I did thinking that they were entitled to what I had. And so I tell them that all the time. Yes, mommy's rich, but you're not rich. You have no money. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. You're just, you're just renting. Um, you're just, exactly. you're just a roommate in, in, the, and, in the bank of mom and dad. So well, which, how would you describe your relationship with money, Ruth? Um, I know one time we were hanging out and you said that you love shoes and um, you're the breadwinner, obviously, in your marriage. Uh, maybe not obviously, but we've talked about it. So it's, mm-hmm. I've heard of it before. But it's also like your relationship with money as the breadwinner in the family. You know, y- your husband like doesn't know how much your shoes cost and that's how you like to keep it. You know, <laughs> like that's – he doesn't need to know that certain He's women – starting to pick up on that. Yeah. Um, but- 
But like, <laughs> how would you describe your relationship with money? And then how would you describe how you run your household as the female breadwinner? Um, that's a really good question. So my relationship with money has always been a little bit, um, hard. Like I'm definitely a spender. And so what I have found is that I am thankfully these days I am better at making money than I am at spending money because I'm really good at spending it. And, um, I, I like to, I like to spend it. I like, I, and then it's funny, like, like you said, I love shoes, but I'm also not like, I don't need all the things all the time. I love shoes. I like to spend what I want to spend when I want to spend it. Um, but as I've made more money, I think I have less time, which means I have less time for shopping. So that's probably a good thing. And, um, one thing that was incredibly helpful for my husband and I, because he's not a spender, he's a saver and, um, was for us was learning how to get on the same page with money. And we did that through taking a financial peace course together uh, many years ago. But through that, we, um, you know, paid off all our debt and I am the breadwinner, but we still have separate bank accounts. And, um, I actually put my paycheck into my husband's bank bank account. If you can believe that I have some money that goes into an investment account of my own. And then the rest for our like operating expenses goes to his account and he pays all of that. And, um, but that has been great for us actually, because we don't, we don't fight about money at this point anymore. We're very much on the same page. We are 100% debt free. We pay cash for everything. I bought a building last year for my business. I paid cash for that. Um, I we're building a house now we're paying cash for that. So that I think like just that commitment to each other that we want to live our life completely debt free and that we are now in a place where we have, you know, we have college funds set up for our kids. We have retirement accounts set up. We we're we've, checked all the boxes. And so we, we can feel free to spend when we want to spend without feeling guilty about it, because there's really honestly at this point, nothing else that we need to spend our money in, which is a really cool place to be in. Um, it's, it's a very freeing place to be. Congratulations. I'm listening to this and I'm like, Ooh, sounds so good. (laughs) Hashtag goals. Um, What, what would you say are, are the bread and butters to your breads and butters to your business? You, you run so many things. You're kind of like, yeah. I, you're like, uh, you're like Martha Stewart, but for, <laughs> um, you know, for moms who want to get SHIT done. Um, yeah, you have like the planner, you have the elite blog academy, you have your books, but what would you say is your kind of revenue engine? Uh, probably, well, about 99% of our revenue in our company comes from products and not through sponsors or, um, ad revenue or anything like that on the website. So it used to be when I first had a blog, that was the first way that I made money was having, you know, Google AdSense on my blog. And I thought that was the only way to make money on a blog. But as it turns out, it's really not. And so now these days, it's we have a lot of our own products. The biggest two of our products, I think, I don't know how many products we have at this point. That's a lot. Um, but the biggest two by far are Elite Blog Academy, which is my online course that teaches people how to create a successful, profitable online business. And then, and then the other one is my planner, which is called the living well planner. And it's a physical planner that we actually manufacture and sell and ship all over the world. What is the secret to your planner? I want to know, cause there are a lot of weird planners out there. Yours yes. is one of the top selling planners. Why is yours so beloved? 
Well, what I teach, so I like, and I want to clarify that and we, cause we've had this conversation a lot within our team because there's always, there's like this whole weird planner subculture. If I don't know if you've like ever started looking into all the hashtags for planners and people become very planner obsessed. There's whole conferences for planners and people buy planners just because they're obsessed with planners and not necessarily because they want to manage their time well. And so what I teach, what, what our planner goes along with is the time management system that I teach. And I think that's the difference. I'm teaching you how to, how to better manage your time. Our time management system is called think big, plan small. And it's all about starting with big goals and breaking those big goals down into smaller and smaller chunks until you're, you've made sure that your daily, daily decisions are matching up with your big long-term goals, because that's the only way to get there is if to make time every single day to do something that's going to move the needle towards your big goals. And so we only have one option for our planner. I mean, we have two different covers, but you know, there's not all these different choices of daily or weekly or, you know, a, a million different things. It's one planner. And this is the planner that works with the system that we teach. And it's funny because we have a lot of people who buy it because it's cute. And then <laughs> they start cute. to learn our system. But then they the next year, they're like, well, I want, a, I want a different cute planner. So they'll switch to a different one. But then they come back because they're like, oh, my gosh, this time management system is the thing that made made the difference. I, I need to be able to break it because we start with yearly goals and you break those down and there's monthly goals every single month. It's also the cool thing for women is that so many planners are either a work planner or a home planner. And some people like try to manage two planners. This is one planner that can manage all the pieces of your busy life. So it helps you plan your meals. You keep track of your goals. There's um, budget pages in every single, every single month. There's a monthly budget spread for tracking your, tracking your money, tracking your budget. There's a financial goals and expense tracker page in there. So if you have a business, you can do your business and do your home stuff and everything all in one place because we're not, we're not one dimensional humans, right? We are not all these pieces. And it's really hard to try to keep track of your life in two separate places. It just doesn't work for most people. So that's the really nice part about it. I just love that even though it's 2019, writing stuff down like pen to paper, it's old school, but there, I think there have been studies done that when you actually write out anything, it, it sticks in your brain more yes. than like tapping it into your phone or what, you know, I, I love my digital tech stuff, but I think like, I still love to make my lists on paper. I don't know. There is, I like to do paper too. And there is a lot of research that shows that when you do it on paper, it helps stick in your brain. And it's just, it's that process of writing it out. I think that's so helpful for me. I do my planning every Friday and for the, for the following week. And that to me, I, I used to do it on Sundays, but I switched to Fridays about two years ago. And that has been such a game changer for me because on Friday afternoon, I sit down, I do a brain dump. I figure out all the things that I need to do. I prioritize my list and then block out my time for the week. And then I can go into the weekend knowing that I have a plan so I can shut it all off. And that for me is like the best because then Weekends are completely free and my brain is free because I don't know about you, but I'm always like, okay, what do I have to do? I got this and this and this and this and this and this and this, all these tornadoes spinning around in my brain. And if I don't know that I have a plan for it, then I spend the whole weekend worrying about how I'm ever going to get everything done. And that has, that has 
been hugely, huge relief um, for me since I started doing that on Fridays. So highly recommend it. Yeah. And you, you know, did we mention you have two kids? You run your household, you run the business, you got a lot going on. And um, so I guess all this to say, thanks for making time for us, Ruth. This is a real treat. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. Oh my gosh. That's that's amazing to be here. Thank you, Ruth. Really, you deserve it all. Your book is called Do It Scared. Everybody check it out. Um, I know that this was uh, many years in the making and I believe that you also have a podcast, right? I do. Tell me I about do. that. I have a podcast that is also called Do It Scared yeah. with Ruth Sukup. And it is, oh my gosh, I if I would have known I was going to love podcasting so much, I think I would have done it years ago. Yeah. I had no idea. It would just, it's such a great way to dig deep into these exact types of topics. So I do... Um, an interview episode every other week and then a standalone episode where I'm actually talking about a concept and and really digging deep. So I talk about motivation and productivity and um, just how you deal with fear in your life or they're like offering really practical tips. I love, I love sharing just really practical strategies for how to get more done or how to overcome certain like forms of adversity in your life. And so it's just, I love it so much. And the feedback that we've gotten the podcast, we just celebrated a year of the podcast. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. The feedback we've gotten so far has just been incredible. I feel like I've, I've been doing this for almost 10 years and in the online space, you know, with work online and I've never felt had the connection with my audience like I have felt in the last year of where people are just messaging me and emailing and saying oh my gosh this is changing my life here's all the things that I've done because of this podcast because Mm -hmm. I I have you in my ear telling me to do it scared and telling me that I can do this and so that's been Oh, that's been really, really, really crazy. It makes it makes all this craziness with yeah. the book launch worth it, Farnoosh, even though I blame you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say sorry. I'm going to say congratulations. <laughs> um, stick with me, Ruth. Uh, I got ideas for you. I got plans for you, Ruth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And we'll see you back here soon one day. Thank you. Thanks so much to Ruth for joining us. Her book, again, is called Do It Scared. It's out everywhere. The subtitle is Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Adversity, and Create a Life You Love. That is so money. If you missed any of this, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And you can also leave me a message by clicking on Ask Farnoosh. Send me a question for our Friday episodes or let me know there that you'd like to co-host. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. 